0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review that satirizes the news of the previous month with hilarious op-ed essays and debate. Uh, Yo, this one is the Skewer 19. We've been going 19 months now. It's pretty good. I think you're going to like it. This one was recorded at Chicago's Cafe Mustache on June 7th, 2017. Uh, Hope you like it. Hey the show started! Woo! Hey! Yeah, it's recording. Usually I do a better opening than that, but I said should we start the show and like everyone heard, so. Hey. Welcome everybody to Skewer! It's the it's the show where we talk about the news. The news is generally miserable and tragic. This show fun and has jokes in it. Hooray! Uh, I'm Tom Harrison, I'm your host. Are we still still looking at something behind here? It's all good. Yeah, I didn't give advance notice. Anyway, how are you all doing? I'm doing fine. If you haven't been to the skewer before, uh, what we do is we have op-eds. Op-ed essays and a debate based on the news of the month. It's super fun. We got great writers, we got great writers tonight. Oh my goodness! Now I'm just gonna get started by reading some words off some paper. Oh yeah, now we got it. No project. Although I do miss the chipmunks behind me. They are real cute. Anyway, so last month, huh? That is the worst one yet. Don't get me wrong. The news has been a misery machine. That uses information as fuel to manufacture depression for a while now running a timely comedy show and this world has not been the breezy gas I had been promised. But this may really got to you, didn't it? It did to me. I remember when, like a true dunce, I honestly thought that the big story this month was going to be when Trump fired uh, FBI Director James Comey for not calling off the Russia investigation. You probably don't even remember that that happened this month. You probably if if one of you came up to me and said, "Yo, you excited for the testimony tomorrow about you know how Trump fired James Comey thirty years ago?" I'd be like, "Wow, that recent." (laughs) Just as a sampling of this month's bullshit, the American Healthcare Act passed the House again. That was this last month. Shockingly. And we, we talk a lot of shit. We call this bill a bad bill, but you got to give it its props. It is the first healthcare bill ever written exclusively in pictures of shrieking skulls. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it.
1: <laughs>
0: three Americans, two veterans among them, uh, were murdered by radical white terrorists, and three black children were murdered by the police. Uh, Jordan Edwards, Jason Negron, and Darius Smith were their names those names don't sound familiar to you, it's because you had to dig real hard into the news to find out about it. Man, I was not not trying to make 2016 be the year that I look back on as an idyllic age of innocence, where we all agreed that police murdering a ton of kids was like a big, horrible problem, instead of just something that happens, like the tides or the president confessing to obstruction of justice unprompted on TV. But of course May also gave us that truly amazing time when Trump and the Saudi king, who I am certain Trump thought was dressed as a wizard, (laughs) stood in a shadowy room and touched a glowy orb, which I am also certain Trump thought would give him magic sexual powers. Just some nice friends in a dark room grasping a fucking orb. Or as the word orb is better known in Arabic, a covfefe. Not gonna bite, not gonna laugh at that one. You know, we had to have a covfefe joke. I'm not happy about doing it either. None of them are good. As soon as the first person saw that covfefe looked like coffee, it was all over. Yo, and then of course there was a time Uh, when he fucked the planet forever by dropping out of the Paris Climate Accords. Like, honestly, I'm at the point now where I want Miami to stop being coy. Don't tease me, you hussy city. Just hurry hurry the fuck up and slide into the sea like you've been saying. Because then, at least, it would be impossible to ignore it anymore. And then also, the overall quality of the country would go up by a huge amount. No more Miami. Bonus. Now, a lot of people have rightly uh, called this a thunderingly dumb thing to do. But honestly, if you look at it from Trump's perspective, it's like clearly the right thing to do. It's the right move for him. Like, we make fun, but the fact is, Trump's decisions made him the president. I can say, I'm smarter than Trump, I'm better than Trump, but I'm not the president. I wish I was. (laughs) I mean, I... (laughs) from a strictly numbers perspective i'm talking like bottom line stole cold profits it is 100 the right decision to suck every last cent out of killing the earth and then live in a hedonistic funk fuck bunker or or a funk bunker honestly (laughs) with a bunch of your meaty necked rich white friends and your nubile pleasure harem people have been talking like climate change is a non-partisan issue Nah, bro, it's partisan as shit. Rich people love it. It's a net gain because they get a bunch of oil dollars and see no consequence. (laughs) Like, I've been seeing people asking the same dumbass question, this sanctimonious appeal to humanity shit like, what kind of world is Donald Trump leaving for barren? Uh, A world where he's rich as shit. A world of absurd wealth and luxury it fucking owns. A great world. Barron's gonna love it. While we're practicing sick machete moves to hack our way to the front of the line when the government water trucks come to town this month, Barron's gonna be living in an oxygen dome on top of a mountain, eating dolphin steaks and watching gladiator fights. It's gonna kick ass. Barron's world rocks and it's only gonna get better. But, you know, here's, here's the thing, you guys. The world is cruel and bad. Like, we know it. We live in the worst country now. It's bad now. Like, it was always bad, but now it's, like, really bad. But as someone who has to write these essays that summarize the month, every month, there comes a time when I wonder how many more times I can say, Trump bad. Like, how many more ways am I supposed to describe this rot-brained ghoul who leads us all? Satire is supposed to, like... Illuminate the flaws and foibles of our society. But nowadays, the flaws and foibles of our society shine like the goddamn North Star. No one's getting surprised when I say Trump bad. That's why that whole Kathy Griffin thing with the head was so tiresome. Like, wow, great art, Kathy. Trump bad. You're really making waves. Call me back when it's his real head. Maybe, maybe then I'll give you your props. But though you're right to despair... That's not all there is left in the world. They want you to feel hopeless. They want you to give up. But there still is some good left. In the wake of Trump's bullshit, we've seen the world's immune system finally lurch into motion. And like, if any country was gonna get inoculated against far-right fascist bullshit, I'd prefer it to be the US. But you know, at least France didn't elect their crazy idiot Nazi. And even after a series of devastating terror attacks in Britain, they're refusing to fall back to hatred. And there is a real chance, remains to be seen, I mean, I hope, it's more than they thought, a real chance that there might be some actual fucking left wing policy enacted after some shockingly, uh, unexpectedly good polling in the upcoming election for the Labor Party as led by Jeremy Corbyn. Now, if you're not familiar with Jeremy Corbyn, Uh, Imagine Bernie Sanders, except insanely boring. (laughs) Like, imagine if Bernie was going out to do one of his speeches. He's going to do the hits, you know, say a whole ton of numbers and, like, percent a lot. And then he caught himself in the mirror and was like, well, this hair simply won't do. Why, this isn't tidy at all. That's Jeremy Corbyn. France's Emmanuel Macron, a man who fucked and married his boarding school teacher, the Frenchest thing of all time, (laughs) has emerged as a vicious critic of Trump's policies and promised increased support of the climate accord, as has Angela Merkel, easily my favorite elderly German woman. Even India and China going all in, correctly realizing that they now can make insane dollars on solar panels and shit. If Trump's, Trump's dumb shit baby diaper tantrums are what it takes to shove the world out of complacency, like, <sighs> better than nothing. And shit, even in the U.S., we got 187 mayors, Rahm included, I hate to give him any props, but there he is, in the 187, pledging to comply with the Paris Accords anyway. Like, like in the olden days, when it took, like, a couple of days to go over to the next state, the term United States like actually meant something real instead of just being the name we use. Maybe it's time to just like go back to that. You know? The federal federal government is barely staffed as it is. The staff that is there is fat drunk Nazis. The only things they do are insanely bad and hurt us. So maybe like, you know, just fuck it for now. Let's do it ourselves. I mean, I don't know what that's going to look like. Illinois politics is fucked to hell. I mean, I don't know. But what else can we do but try to make a ju- more just society ourselves? we got to believe it's possible. And if you're here, like, you're part of the solution. I mean, in a small way. I'm not going to say this show is going to change any minds or anything. But, like, you're publicly gathering. You're engaging in discourse and dissent. You're, you're experiencing art in real space. All things often made illegal, especially in times like this. We still have a participatory democracy, for now at least, so we got to participate the fuck out of it. It's easy to give up. Trust me, I know. But you got to believe. That said, never trust anything a white man tells you. Thank you! <laughs> Well, thank you guys my little bit about how everything's bad and sad. Thank you for listening to it. So before, before we get on to the op-eds, we're going to have a Skewer producer, Erica Dreisbach, uh, do a voicemail op-ed, except I think this one is not going to be a voicemail, but a live call? Yeah. Holy shit. Explain what a voicemail op-ed is, Erica.
2: Yeah, I'm going to call a real person, and I'm going to prank um voicemail op-eds were this idea of actually calling real voicemail boxes of real government representatives and leaving our opinion and then being able to say and here's a room of 50 people that agree and then you would go yeah we're not going to do that this time This time I'm going to play a character, and I'm going to be calling Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family, which you may have heard of. They produce um, Veggie Tales, which is a delightful, I think it's kind of Bible stories, children's cartoon. But they um, also are against abortion, and they're against gay marriage, and they're against adoption by, by gay people. So we're going to give them a little call. What do you think this character's name is, guys? My character right now talking. Bethany. Bethany. Bethany My name is Bethany. (laughs) Hi, this is Bethany. Okay, here we go. Now this phone's very old, so it's gonna be hard for you to hear, but we're gonna try. Thank you for calling. Focus on the family. This is John Fuller, and your time is valuable to us. And we want to assist you as quickly as we can. If you're calling today to place an order. I'm not calling to place an order. I'm not calling to make a donation. Request, remain, on the line. remain on the line. So last time when I called, it took about 10 seconds to get to a lady. And then I got scared and I hung up on her. But now emboldened by this audience, I'm going to talk. for this bit, guys. I just wanna know, I'm not making Hi, I'm calling, is Andy there? Is Andy there? Oh, this is the number that he left. I'm just calling about the medical advancements that he made via aborted fetus parts. He's not gonna be getting polio or Parkinson's. And I just wanted to check in on him. Oh,
1: I'm...
2: Okay, I'm sorry about that. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. So, one tricky part about that is that her voice sounded identical to the character. So, it was like... I was making fun of her in advance. Okay, um, that's my bit now. I don't think I changed her mind. She was just like, you have the wrong number. And I was like, okay. But we're going to get way doper and way more real with these uh, prank calls for justice. If you have any good ideas for this bit, or any good numbers, or any people who need some good pranking, let us know. Thanks so much, guys.
0: Oh my gosh, thank you, Erica. That was fun. So Erica told me that she was going to call a real live person and um, she didn't suggest I call a real-life person, and yet, even so, I was consumed with fear to a crazy degree. <laughs> so, th- I thank you so much for actually doing that. Anyway, our first op-ed essay of the evening comes from, a, comes from a writer originally from Rochester, New York. He's a contributor to McSweeney's The Onion and the studio Peaches and Hot Sauce. He performs in the improv, trou- improv group law dog you can find him on twitter at @zackmast. zach mast it's, it's zach mast Woo!
3: oh thanks tom by the way i think i missed opportunity there when you said Kofeife and then someone said no Kofifi. and uh it's like that's like the gif first gif of the uh, last generation to ever live okay <clears throat> uh hi everybody uh <clears throat> Dear Mr. Hickelberg, thank you for your latest submission to McSweeney's Internet Tendency. I regret to inform you that we have decided not to move forward with your piece. Usually it's here where I'd encourage you to submit again and move on to the other pitches in my inbox, but I feel a certain obligation to write you a personal response. Let's start with the elephant in the room. Matt Hickelberg, I know you're Mike Huckabee. (laughs) There's no sense in hiding it, It's fine to use a pseudonym, but if you wish to submit anonymously, I suggest you don't send pieces from your Arkansas.gov email address. Truth be be told, Governor, I'm not quite sure what to make of your submission. Was there more to your piece than a link to your entire Twitter timeline? (laughs) Our guidelines make clear that we don't accept previously published work, so I'm not sure I can present this piece as original. Moreover, how am I supposed to know which of your lines are meant to be jokes and which are simply meant to promote your appearances on Fox & Friends? unless your appearances on Fox & Friends are also meant to be jokes, in which case we need to have a chat about how to use irony. Also, please include a proper title. I see that you've written Take That, Rosie, in the subject line of your email, but I'm not sure how it applies to the piece overall. Look, Governor, I appreciate your commitment. You clearly have a passion for humor writing. But I'd like to encourage you to express your ideas more clearly. For instance, take this line. CNN now stands for Cardiac Care Network because their people are having heart attacks over Trump doing what Dems once demanded, fire Comey. I know what you're going for here. (laughs) Members of the media are certainly hysterical at times, but otherwise the idea is a little complicated. Are there people having heart attacks because what Trump did was so shocking or because the Dems once demanded it? I don't quite (laughs) follow the logic. It might help to approach this joke with a character. For instance, what if we came into it from a CNN anchor's point of view? Maybe this could be a short, imagined monologue in which Wolf Blitzer goes through the symptoms of a stroke. That would make much more sense for the cardiac care network, which, by the way, is CCN, not CNN. Is that more irony? I was about to say you should just throw out the other lines and tease out this idea, but then I saw you followed up with this confusing line. Headed to DC, hope my shots are up to date to protect against Beltway Bubble Fever causing Trump Derangement Syndrome, or TDS. I see we're continuing the health theme, which I suppose counts as a through line. But again, there's a little too much going on. I'm on board with Beltway Bubble Fever, but what is Trump Derangement Syndrome? Is Trump the one who's deranged? Again, like the last tweet, the details don't really work together. Remember to keep your writing tight and light. I can't believe I'm still going over this. <laughs> Look, Governor, I want you to do well. I'm always eager to publish work from notable writers. But I have to be fair, too, to all the amateur writers who take the time to properly format their pieces. Dear Mr. Hufflepuff, thank you for your submission to Cracked. I'm sorry to say I can't accept your pitch entitled 7,380 Things Leftists Got Wrong About Mike Huckabee. It's a good idea, and we're always looking for ways to upend popular misconceptions. However, we try to avoid overtly endorsing political opinions here at Cracked, and normally we like to keep our list to seven items or less. Is there a way we could trim this down? While you mull on it, I wanted to point out another thing to keep in mind. Let's look at number 7,358 in your list, in which you cite the following tweet. CNN quotes anonymous sources that real Donald Trump had three scoops of ice cream and called it an ice cream Comey. Your commentary for this... (laughs) Your commentary for this one is pretty short. You write, liberals don't realize this joke is great and deserves more retweets. (laughs) Maybe that's true, but we typically ask for primary sources to back up your claims. I'm not saying the joke isn't funny, just that our readers expect a certain level of trust from us. I hope you understand. We strive to both entertain and educate here at Cracked. On a personal level, I see you've been an active member of our writers forum since 2008. That's great. Keep writing, Mr. Hufflepuff. I think you're not far off. Dear Mr. Chuckleby, (laughs) thank you for your submission to the Yale record. We're always looking for new students to join America's oldest college humor magazine. I appreciate you responding to our open call. Unfortunately, we've decided to move forward with other submissions, but that doesn't mean I don't think there's some promise in your writing. For instance, let's look at the following submission. Why is beach so empty on gorgeous day on Florida Emerald Coast? Oh yeah, today is bring a smart liberal to the beach day. This is a good idea. But please remember to put it in headline format. I suggest Florida Emerald Beach empty on bring a smart liberal to the beach day. See, short and snappy. That's more in line with what we're looking for. I encourage you to apply to our magazine next semester, but one more order of business. I can't find any record of a Mike Chucklebee currently attending Yale. Are you sure you're a sophomore? Dear Baron Von Haxbow, I love it, all of it, great stuff. We normally don't take blind submissions, but I can't pass this up. We have room on staff for a new writer and you seem to have a firm grasp on what real satire is all about. Welcome to the Borowitz Report. (laughs) When can you start? Alright,
0: thanks. (laughs) Thank you, Zach. Anytime we can talk shit about Andy Borowitz, I'm very pleased. (laughs) Well, it's true. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) moving on up to the next op-ed, our next op-ed writer, works for the neo-futurists, and makes videos. Uh, he didn't say what kind of videos, he just wanted to tell me about videos. Uh, he is, his writing and performances have appeared on The Arrow, a neo-futurist storytelling show, Right Club, Heels Overhead, and Potluck. He's also in the Skewer Best 2016 Book, which you can buy right, at that old, right on that old table for 15, 15 of them American dollars. Please welcome Will Sondheim.
4: I've noticed that sometimes people will open with a quote uh, to kind of put things in perspective, so I'm going to do that now if it's okay with everybody. Uh, first, a horse named Always Dreaming won the Kentucky Derby this year. That, that one actually, sorry, that one actually isn't a quote. That's uh, just from the news. Uh, I know I just said the quote thing, but I, I don't have a source. I mean, uh, I should have <clears throat> looked harder next time, but just trust me, Always Dreaming won uh, a lot of different news as we're talking about it. Um, I just couldn't pick. Uh, here's the second one. <clears throat> this is actually a quote. Uh, there is no horse race here. Clinton is far enough ahead at a late enough stage in the election that what we have is a horse running by itself, unperturbed, but for the faint possibility of a comet hitting the track. Slate Magazine, August 24th. Ooh. Did anyone watch the Kentucky Derby on TV? I've heard that sometimes people do crowd work to change up the energy, so I'd like to take a stab at that, too, if that's okay. Hey! This is for horses. Just keeping you on your toes. Um, any big horse racing fans out there? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, any of you guys catch the derb? Yeah? <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. That's what we big horse heads call the uh, Kentucky Derber. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I bet that's what we call it. For, for, for those of you who don't know... Um, The old Tucky Derb is like NASCAR, but with horses. Um, And it only lasts two and a half minutes, and then the winner gets a million dollars. If you win the race, you win the prize. It's that easy. I got overwhelmed by everyone everyone and everything going on in the news, so every once in a while it's nice to take a little break and just hear about always dreaming, running in a circle, and getting a million dollars. (laughs) You know? For those of you who missed... The Kentucky Durbo D Durbo Die, uh, with everything else that was going on, I uh, brought in a transcript, um, which I'm going to read, uh, especially you know with the podcast, uh, I thought you know I thought this could be really fun. <laughs> you can all pretend I'm FDR chatting to you about the ponies one of his infamous end of life fireside rants. Um, it might even be better it might even be better than the real thing because imagination okay. Here's a transcript of the 143rd Kentucky Durbo. And they're all lined up, all the ponies. This is the most exciting day for fans of the sport, and they're off. Always dreaming in the middle of the race, with just a horse closely behind, and it looks like down the escalator is followed by Trump with nasty women running hard, a few heads away, with fake news coming up from the outside, putting on pressure, letting in, and Golden Shower in the back with Comey's big secret, fifth and sixth, Comey's big secret ahead by leg. Oh, and someone is up with grabbing by the pussy and grabbing by the pussy, trailing in the poles, in the poles, holding on to third, grabbing by the pussy. And what about her emails at fifth and sixth? They're riding off to the side, and Barons off limits. Barons off limits, riding comfortably at the back of the pack. He's untouchable, riding strong, maybe too quiet and brooding, but. Here comes Jill Stein demands a recount. Jill Stein demands a recount. She's making a break for it, neck and neck with white liberal guilt, and then wow, she's Jill Stein demands a recount, has jumped the fence and appears to be riding out of the stadium. She's totally gone. She disappeared, she's gone. Well I guess well I guess she uh I guess that's all she really wanted to do in the first. Always dreaming, having a hard time with Muslim ban on the inside corner out of the gate, and edging out women's march by nose, and Trump, Trump is losing the lead. He never had it, not technically, but Comey's big secret has broadsided. Trump only reads intelligence reports of his name is sprinkled throughout them. They're trading spots on the backstretch now, and Trump only reads intelligence reports of his name is sprinkled throughout them Is falling off. He can't keep up, he can't keep up at all, and yes, Trump only reads intelligence reports of his name is sprinkled throughout them as having a really hard time. The third horse named What About Our Emails has a late start, but Comey's big secret is flagging, and What About her? just what about her emails and what about her emails in the middle of the pack and holy moly you're not gonna believe this but an unprecedented uh, uh, unprecedented move grabbing by the pussy has officially changed its name to what about her emails and is back in the race like a small boat in the ocean sending big waves in emotion. Like like housing the word can make a heart open i only have one match but i might make an explosion all these things i didn't say wrecking balls on my brain i will scream them loud tonight can you hear my voice this time this is my fight song is at the back of the pack Still running strong, passing, singing if you know it on the outside. Half and there, rounding the corner for the final approach. This is why we watch the horsies, ladies and gentlemen. Always dreaming pulls ahead, and American Dream is down. American Dream is down and has been trampled by what appears to be to death. Trampled to death by the pack that is... Not something you want to see, but what about our Emails Is still going strong, and Paris Accord is pulling away from the pack, is leaving everyone else behind. But wait, corporate greedy, greedy asshole fucko has jostled Paris Accord, and they're all going down, both of them, and the whole world is going down with them. Sugar, we're going down, swing on the outside, no chance. Com- big secret, finding its second win on the outside, followed closely by Golf Trip and Hurricanes Season. and now it's always dreaming. Trump, Golf Trip, Trump, Twitter, Trump, Golf Trip, mar a lago go, 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 go. What about our Emails on the inside, well, what about our Emails comes along the outside edge and he doesn't even want the job is suddenly out front out of nowhere but he's been there all along and it's neck and neck with almost dreaming I wish I was dreaming is this a dream or is this a nightmare melting and getting hotter and it's anybody's race nobody's winning the fans are rushing the field always dreaming takes the control Chucky Derbini Baby, but nobody seems to care. The NRA are wearing their red baseball hats and they're all shooting the horses, winners and losers. All the horses are down, except Baron is off limits. He's fine, he's totally fine. The race is over and it's pandemonium down there with the NRA and the screaming horses and the gunshots. And maybe this is the sort of thing that keeps us all together, you know, or at least coming back for more. These horse races are the glue that holds us together and always dreaming racking his three year old horse brain and wondering maybe this whole thing was just you know a crazy crazy dream um and then my idea would be always dreaming like wakes up um and he's next to his horse wife um uh Mrs. Dreaming um and she's like always what's up uh you were having a nightmare in the laugh track. (laughs) And then the always turns to her and he's like, you'll never believe what just happened. I had the craziest dream last night. And then he pulls back the covers and Mrs. Dreaming is actually the horse head from the end of The Godfather.
0: Oh yeah, again for Will Sondheim. I think in 19 skewer shows, that was a piece that had the most words in it. <laughs> so, you know, forever will live in history, at least in that way. Anyway, our next op-ed uh, writer is a comedian and producer of Ladylike, a show uh, where women tell gross stories here in Cafe Mustache every third Monday. Is that right? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, let's say it is. Uh, it's a great show, and please welcome Carly Valerini.
5: Yeah. Hello. Hi. 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 Are we, are we gay? Is everybody gay? Are we gay in here? Are we gay? Are you gay? Are we gay? Are we gay? You guys are gay. You guys are There's a lot of gay. Okay. You guys are gay. I'm a little gay. It, okay. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on Capitol Hill lately. It's a lot of hearsay, a lot of probablys flying around a whole bunch of speculation look aside from all evidence to the contrary the fact is this mike pence might not be gay
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's true that there's no way of knowing if mike pence is gay i mean no one can really know If Mike Pence is gay, everyone's saying he's gay, but nobody really knows. Only Mike Pence would know, you know? Like Mike Pence and like maybe like three young boys, but like other than that, no one would know, you know? Like Mike Pence, like three young boys in like Russia, but like nobody else would know if Mike Pence was gay gay. Uh, Not everyone is so measured in their assessment of the vice president's orientation, however, as one unprompted governor who wishes to remain anonymous said simply, look, I'm I'm not trying to make any hard statements here, but that guy's gay. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, what do we know about the vice president who very soon will most likely be called the president president? Um, one cannot mention Mike Pence's obscure sexual presentation without also bringing to the forefront his current wife, Mother. Uh, some of you may know her by her Christian name, Karen. Uh, Mike prefers Mother. Mother is Mr. Pence's constant companion. He has stated before that he won't meet with another woman alone or drink alcohol without the presence of mother. In a famous interview in 2002, Mike told The Hill, if there's alcohol being served and people are being loose, I wanna have the best looking brunette in the room standing next to me. The brunette he's referencing is his very own wife, mother. (laughs) This quote sent waves of fury through the blogosphere when it was unearthed by the Washington Post. And yes, it could imply a horrifically out-of-date, sexist and general off-putting gender bias, but it could also mean they like group sex stuff. Uh, One can only speculate, yeah? Just like no one knows if Mike Pence apologizes when he comes, Uh, (laughs) like probably he does. Uh, And probably he hates women, but no one knows. Even before he was battling his apparent ravenous sexual appetites with the help of mother's tight grip, uh, Mike Pence was thinking about other sexy sex stuff. Another thing we know is that Mike Pence is strongly associated with conversion therapy. Um, Put simply, conversion therapy is when a gay goes away to a special magical camp where they like canoe and shit and then emerge not gay, cisgendered butterfly. (laughs) Just kidding. It's way more horrific than that. It's actually a form of psychotherapy that aims to change a person's sexuality or gender identity with fun camp activities like weird abusive role-playing, electroshock therapy, holding hands while crying and then punching each other for the boys, um, and then swallowing your feelings and baking for the ladies, and of course, canoeing. Um, When asked about his association with conversion therapy, Mike Pence said nothing and looked off into the middle distance, with a faint, <laughs> with a faint mustache of perspiration caressing his top lip, and a, the big old beard tightly gripping his hand with hers while simultaneously, oh, holding a fresh tray of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. When Mike Pence, uh, when Mike Pence finally came to, he mumbled, "Sexuality's a choice," and then Mother shoved a cookie in his mouth. Um, uh, The unfortunate ineptitude of integrity that has been plaguing Democrats these last several months seems to some to be affecting their perception of this uh, reality as well. As the same anonymous governor said of this situation, I can't wait for these Dems to, like, get in the game, you know? Start playing the game. And then lock Mike Pence in an elevator with Anderson Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because they're both gay. And they have the same haircut. Um, Okay, so another thing we know is that Mike Pence thinks that sexuality is a choice. He thinks that it's a choice that one makes, which is interesting because if one thinks that, like if if someone thinks that sexuality is a choice and then they're choosing to be straight, they're gay, right? (laughs) then they're, um, it's like math uh, but then Mike Pence is gay um, but again who knows you know no one really knows except for Russia Russia definitely knows um Okay, thank you guys so much.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, one more time for Carly. Yeah. When Carly pitched that, I was like, well, you know, Mike Pants isn't really timely, but on the other hand, Fuck Mike Pence. So I think that was the right move. Next op-ed writer of the evening is comedian and producer of the stand-up show. Congrats on your success, uh, which is at Uncharted Books, right up on Milwaukee, the first Thursday of every month. Please welcome Odinaka Coley.
6: Hello. Uh, Good. Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is uh, Sheriff David Clark of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, I I have an important important announcement to make tonight. Um, Oh, you have to excuse me. I need to uh, get my glasses. All right. I usually don't wear glasses, but I have to read. Look, guys, I'm going to make this quick. I have an appointment at 9.30 to lick the president's asshole. Want to get out here as soon as possible. It's all part of security detail. Uh, Now, look, as sheriff of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I've served for 25 years. Uh, But tonight, I want to let everyone here know that I've been appointed to be the assistant secretary for partnership and engagement under Homeland Security, under Homeland Security Secretary Tony Kelly, under President Donald J. Trump. Hold your applause. Thank you. Um, it's an honor, and I'm humbled to serve. Literally, I'm humbled. Um, I just finished shining the president's shoes. Um, I'm here to serve. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here. Now, look, I wasn't always this prestigious person that you see here. I wasn't always this heaping mound of Nick Eastwood. No. I started out like many of you, regular person, like a target. Wait, I mean citizen. I started out just like you. And, uh, you know, I worked my way up. I joined the force back in 1978, the police academy. People always ask me, Sheriff David Clark, why would you and I'm like, hold on there, call me Swine we're personal, all right? yes, Swine David Clark, Swine David Clark thank you, Swine David Clark, I just have a question for you, um, why would you, as a black man, join the police academy in the 1970s and look, the answer is simple alright, I got rejected by the Crips and the Bloods (laughs) the police were the only gang that would have me pretty easy. Uh, I walked into that academy and they said, sir, your hatred of your own skin fits right in here. (laughs) And I've been proud ever since. I've been so proud. Good God. Now, 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 look. If you listen to Black Lives Matter, or as I like to call them, Black Lives Matter, they often say things like the police are targeting and killing black people in disproportionate numbers. That is simply not true i myself have served as a policeman for the past 25 years and i never get stopped ever except every first tuesday when i'm off duty driving my wife white wife around Um, but but besides that never get stopped and look when they do stop me they apologize every time when they find on the sheriff every time Every single time They're so apologetic Oh my gosh Sheriff We didn't know Sorry yeah, Move it along You're fired But we can move along Look The police They're fine They're on our side Okay uh, Now some people Some people They think You know I read the internet And they say things like Does, does, does Sheriff David Clark Know That he's black Yes I know I'm black Alright I know that What I don't know is how can I be white? How? can someone please tell me how? I've tried everything, okay? I joined the NRA. I have a white wife. I'm a police officer. How do I do this shit? I need to know. I've consulted the experts. I talked to Rachel Dolezal. I talked to Caitlyn Jenner. None of them can help me. Someone, please, after the show, let me know. All right. Okay. But yeah, I'm 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 yes, I'm I'm black. I'm I'm black, I'm I'm black. I'm black. I'm, black. I'm, I'm black. I'm I'm black. Black okay, there said that. I I'm Yes, I'm I'm black. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm black. Yeah. <sighs> so As the Assistant Secretary for Homeland Security, Partnership, and Engagement, I have a lot of responsibilities, all right? I'm keeping things secure, and the first order of business the President has given me is to secure the floors of the White House from dirt. Those things are filthy and they need help, and the President has me on the job. I'm here doing it. It's very important. But that's not all I'm doing, all right? There, there, there are other things that I'm going to address. You know, I, I get coffee. I answer the phone sometimes, you know. Working my way up, I'm going to level up in position. And when I do, I'm going to start having a say in that White House. First order of business under Homeland Security. We're outlawing witchcraft. That shit is terrorist, all right? And I know especially in the neighborhoods like this, a lot of these young women out there sacrificing their menstrual blood to the moon. We're not gonna have that anymore, all right? None under Trumps watch. There's gonna be a strict curfew in every hipster neighborhood. No one's going out on their full moon, nobody. I said nobody, all right? As soon as it gets dark, everybody's inside. Second of all, what we're gonna do is, um, it's gonna be a dress code. It's gonna be a very strict dress code. Um, no baggy jeans. Um, no, no sneakers, no Jordans, no Timberlands, no Tommy Hilfiger, no Carl Kanai, no FUBU, no Cross Colors. Anything Tupac would to war, that's done. <laughs> another thing, uh, we're, we're outlawing hip-hop, all right? That's number three. Hip-hop is dead, all right? That is terrorist music. I'm tired of hearing it. ice tea, cop-killer. Yeah, I know what's happening, okay? I'd listen to the music. We're replacing hip-hop with polka music, yes. The music of my ancestors.
1: Uh,
6: I can hear it now. All right, number four. The school to prison pipeline isn't fast enough. We're gonna start installing jail cells outside of the vagina of every woman of color in every hospital in this country we're about to be safe as fuck Mm. Uh, what's this Uh, number five keep baron trump on suicide watch okay all right we're gonna do that Uh, wait this just in keep jared kushner on suicide watch too all right okay all right um we're gonna bring back uh wait we're gonna bring back marcus garvey um Yeah, I think uh, that's one thing Black Lives Matter and the Trump administration can agree on. Black people should go back to Africa. Um, We're going to have ships installed. We're keeping the streets safe. Number one priority, wow, the president, number one priority on our list is um, we have to make sure Ivanka is safe. That is national security concern number one. Uh, she deserves the best, and should be protected at all times, especially on the weekends when the president likes to watch me penetrate her. Wait, I shouldn't. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that part. Look, I'm only doing my job to keep the streets safe, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I am honored to serve each and every one of you, especially here where I feel like a lot of my own kind are here. Um, I hope you guys have a safe and beautiful evening. White power, all right. Thank you.
0: <laughs> oh, one more time for Sheriff Clark. So sorry, I got his name wrong earlier. Uh, d- definitely David Clark and not, uh, not Odinaki in a hat i got to make that very clear. We all, we're all we having another celebrity guest later, and I also want to make it clear, it's not just someone in this room in a wig. It's the, it's really Mark Zuckerberg's going to be on stage. <laughs> anyway, final op-ed reader of the night is the host of the Weird Books podcast, Home Foolery. He's a stand-up comic and uh, host with Alexandra Sarpalis of Shindig every last Wednesday of the month. He's also uh, going to be a cast member on my upcoming podcast, which is going to be good. Please welcome Cody Melcher.
7: I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you, just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable, manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs, which I feel is very important? What do you do with the mad that you feel, when you feel so mad you could bite, when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong, and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up your friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned the thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 anytime. And what a good feeling to feel like this. And know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday a man." This is a partial transcript of the testimony of Fred, Mr. Rogers, to the United States Senate on May 1, 1969. Soon marks the 50th anniversary of the national premiere of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the aforementioned children's program hosted by Mr. Rogers. And recently, in reflection of that impending anniversary and in light of recent world events, Twitter user Anthony Bresnican recalled his run-in with Mr. Rogers. Quote, he smiles, but this has to happen to him every 10 feet. Did you grow up as one of my neighbors? I felt like crying. Yeah, I was. Opens his arms, lifting his satchel for a hug. It's good to see you again, neighbor. I got to hug Mr. Rogers, y'all. As he went out the door, I said, in a kind of rambling gush, that I'd stumbled on the show again recently when I really needed it. So I just said, thanks for that. Mr. Rogers nodded. He paused. He undid his scarf. He motioned to the window and sat down on the ledge. This is what set Mr. Rogers apart. No one else would have done this. He goes, do you want to tell me what's upsetting you? So I sat. I told him my grandfather had just died. He was one of the few good things I had. I felt adrift, broken-hearted. I like to think I didn't go on and on, but pretty soon he was telling me about his grandfather and a boat the old man had bought him as a kid. Finally, I said thank you and apologized if I made him late for an appointment. Sometimes you're right where you need to be, he said." Now, I didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers. I grew up with Proust. but, (laughs) But they are essentially the same, except that Marcel Proust, I can only assume, had more puppets. However, I did come to Mr. Rogers later in my life when I would have bouts of insomnia and end up staying up so late that programming would shift from infomercial to children's television. And there I was greeted with a new friend. I mean, he wasn't exactly new. That's like saying the first time you watched Star Wars was your first encounter with Darth Vader as a figure. I don't care if you've never seen Star Wars, you know who Darth Vader is. Mr. Rogers is Darth Vader. Well, nicer. But just as powerful and just as strong in will and destiny. You see, a thing you notice more on its nose when you're an adult watching children's television is the machinations of the pitch to the children. The sort of darker underbelly of the manipulation of their tiny, underdeveloped, softish brains, you know? You see commercials as capitalist junk propaganda, and you see cartoons as hyperactive fun paloozas designed to sell action figures and dolls. And viewing Mr. Rogers as an adult, you see a man who is unabashedly caring and genuine, and in that, you see strength. There's this common misconception in our culture, I mean, it's not new, (laughs) by God, it's not new, Uh, but there's something weak and ineffectual about caring, about empathy, about being gentle and kind. Those people are seen as easily manipulated, run over or left behind. I don't care how empathetic a person you might be, I guarantee you that almost all of us have at one point or another thought of another human being as weak for not being hard, for buckling under the pressure of the world or for not fighting back. Violence as Wonder Woman in theaters now tells us is a condition of humanity And that doesn't just mean war hammers and big boom sticks It also seeps into the way we view life obstacles and each other Obstacles are to be conquered enemies are to be subdued take what is yours fight 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 never give up never surrender and many other things said in Michael Bay films however, I posit this to you A room full of millennials who will probably not view this as a terribly controversial opinion, but who knows? Wrigleyville's still a thing. (laughs) However, I posit to you that true strength, the truly strong and bold people, are the ones who are strong enough to be gentle, considerate, and kind. Stay with me. I know this sounds like it's going to get boring and lame, but that's sort of the problem we're dealing with here. It's not exciting. It's not rad or tubular to be gentle. There's... (laughs) There's no T-shirt of Snuggles the Bear with the word bitchin' on it. But it's a long-standing belief in our culture, our American culture. Sure, it's often ignored by the warmongers, the slaveholders, the craven of our history and our present. But being boldly gentle is one of the cornerstones of American philosophy. John Quincy Adams said, America does not go abroad in search of monsters. Our signing of the Geneva Convention says we treat our enemies with dignity and respect no matter what they do. Abraham Lincoln said you destroy your enemies when you make them your friend. He-Man, defender of Eternia, said he seems to think the sword makes him a leader, but all it makes him is a bully. These are the words of our greatest leaders. And among those words are Mr. Rogers. Always look for the helpers. A quote we cling to more and more these days, but a sentiment which has been with us since time, Eternia. True strength is not a matter of showing off your muscles, lifting the biggest rock, and hurling it at your enemies. It is caring enough about yourself to not punch a man in the face because you know that will only break your own hand and leave you both injured and bloody. It is stopping your car to let another in front of you because when has someone gone from being on time to running an hour late because of one more car being in front of them? Strength is understanding the difference between a woman falling apart at a grocery store because she's reached the end of her own strength, or maybe she's just an asshole but that doesn't affect you personally. It takes more strength to lift up a man than to shoot him with a bullet. And it's hard. Boy, is it hard. We're Americans. We like the easy way. But like He-Man said, we do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I'm pretty sure that was He-Man, maybe Prince Adam. <laughs> we lost a lot of boldly gentle people last year. David Bowie, Prince, Alan Rickman, Gene Wilder, Anton Elchin, Florence Henderson, Muhammad Ali, George Michael, Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher. Given past and present circumstances, and if we were in a movie like Masters of the Universe, it might have felt like a plot point, like a great evil was driving the good out of our lives. But it hasn't, and it can't and it won't because we are still here. We may not be Debbie Reynolds or George Michael and God am I trying, but we are us and we are human beings and we have the capacity to grow and love and care for each other no matter what happens. The great light of human spirit is indomitable not by its pure essence but because of us. The fire of humanity stays lit because we protect it from the wind and the rain. As Mr. Rogers said at the end of an episode I was watching while crying and writing this piece, There are many helpful people in this world, aren't there? The more you grow into a helpful person yourself, the happier you'll find this world is. That is what Rissa Rogers taught us and continues to teach us. Because a great teacher doesn't just give you a few homework assignments and tests and send you on your way. A truly great teacher inspires you to think and consider and grow on your own, well past the class, well past school, and well past their lives. Kindness, gentleness, caring. It does not live and die with the individual. With Mr. Rogers, it grows and flourishes with us because we choose to be kind. We also choose to use sticky paper. There we go. There's nothing weak in that. It takes a brave person to stand up to ignorant bullying. It takes strength, resilience, and bravery to survive and a whole fucking spoonful of chutzpah to not only survive but to reach out. I'm pretty sure Shira said that. She was in the Wonder Woman movie, which is in theaters now. (laughs) I'd like to end Incredibly Sappily, because I think that's kind of the only way you can end a piece like this, and I hope that you will find the kindness in your heart to not only allow me that, but to enjoy and cherish it. I know a lot of this sounds simple, but simple isn't always dumb. In fact, simple can change the world. I would like to end this piece the same way Mr. Rogers would end his show, not with a goodbye, but a tomorrow. So please feel free to recite along if you know the words so we can get a nice cult-like sound for the podcast. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day, it's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. To everyone in the audience and listening on the podcast, I do not know you, but I do love you. You are my neighbor. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Cody you weren't aware that trolley that you have placed on the stool that is a that was given to a family member of yours by Fred Rogers am I right yes my grandmother what whoa whoa I when I found that out that blew my mind I just felt like I had to share whatever anyway (laughs) (laughs) y'all people okay so (laughs) so that's that's the end of the op-ed portion of the night we have one final segment the debate where the the news story of the month, too big for one person's opinion to, 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 to encompass it. You need both sides, and we need the audience to decide who is the victor. But before we get to that, I want to first just thank Cafe Mustache for being a dope-ass venue. You should uh, give them your money in exchange for alcohol. That's probably like a great idea. You should do it. Uh, also, if you want to like not have any more money, we have a bunch of Skewer merch that you can buy with it. Give it to us instead. We got a book with the best writing of uh, 2016. Cody's in it, Will Sondheim's in it, uh, is in it, Nora's in it. I, I mean, I'm in it because I'm the best and I host the show, but, you know, who cares? Anywho, on to the debate portion of the evening. This month, two celebrities realized correctly that having political experience is no longer necessary, in fact, a detriment to becoming president in these times, and have teased their own presidential runs. It's up to you to decide who should be our president in the next election. So let's get our debaters up to the stage. Our first is a writer, poet, and computer programmer, and co-producer of The Skewer, Erica Dreisbach.
2: Actually, Erica couldn't be here. I'm Mark Zuckerberg, so I will be taking her place tonight.
0: Oh, good. Well, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad she, she got a replacement lined up. It's, it's too bad she had to miss it. Our next debater, is a performer and writer who also tells lawyers how computers work. Please welcome Nora Regis. the question is, who should be the next celebrity president in 2020? Mark Zuckerberg. Who are you going to be arguing for?
2: Uh, well, Tom, I'm going to be arguing that I, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> should be president.
0: Dope, dope. That makes sense. Uh, Nora, who are you going to be arguing should be the next president?
8: Dwayne Rock Johnson. Yeah.
0: That'll do. So the way the debate works, both of our debate... Performers are going to have five minutes to deliver prepared opening statements They will then have to answer questions that I've prepared for them and have not shared with them They're stupid questions that are silly and dumb So that's gonna be fun to watch them try to answer and then they're gonna have one minute of closing arguments to seal the deal Uh, So why don't we just get right on to it. I say uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Why don't
2: you why don't you go first? Thanks, Tom (laughs) Thanks wow it's great to be here i am mark zuckerberg and i am so excited to run for office to be your president and for the challenge ahead of seeming likable charismatic and dare i say united states presidential imagine if you will A childish billionaire with clownish hair and a preternatural talent for making enemies announces his campaign for United States President. Many scoff, many laugh, many scream in agony, yet he persists and succeeds. Sound familiar? It should. To explain, I'm comparing Donald Trump's unlikely success to my own coming success, which will be different, of course. Because not only is my success likely, it is assured. Make no mistake, The Rock was born in Canada and is probably joking, but I, Mark Zuckerberg, am running for president. This is not comedy for a comedy show. This is real. Don't believe me? I'll prove it with these photographs from Instagram, a company I assimilated five years ago. Here's me dropping by Newton Falls, Ohio, for a home-cooked dinner and conversation with a family of real American folks. Here's me casually stopping by a NASCAR race. Look at my cute outfit with all the little patches. I bet that'll play in Peoria, Illinois. Here's me at a black church. (laughs) Here's me driving a tractor in Wisconsin. Of course, this farmer and all manual laborers will be replaced entirely by robots in my administration. But don't worry, they'll have jobs in the new virtual service economy currently under development at Oculus VR, a company I assimilated three years ago. I will also become a robot of sorts. This body will decorporate and the entity you know as Mark Zuckerberg will be transferred to a series of secure and secret data storage locations, much like the wizard's soul in Igor Stravinsky's ballet, The Firebird, (laughs) or Voldemort's soul in Harry Potter, which I understand is a relatable cultural reference. When I run for president, I will win. Imagine, if you will, endless streams of misleading garbage fed to white American voters in gerrymandered districts whose vote counts 2 and 3x that of a Chicago voter due to a misplaced faith in the anachronistic electoral college designed to give bonus political power to slavers who profited from destroying humans. But you don't have to imagine it. Because to explain, those garbage streams are already entrenched via my company. Facebook last year my role was relatively passive based on a surprising byproduct caused by certain algorithmic anomalies but however since deciding to run for office this spring I have taken a more active role in curating the flow of information to voters I will play this nation like a piano and every nation that has Facebook as well rejoice America this is a good thing piano music is lovely And the world needs order. Given that I will prevail, here are some changes you can expect from the Zuckerberg administration. Number one Jewish American president, number two Asian American first lady. Number three, I will run the United States like my company Facebook, wall-to-wall snacks, all-night hackathons, constant pressure to meet performance goals, and immediate termination should you fail to meet those goals, which I found is a remarkable motivator. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, no neckties in the White House. I hate neckties and mustard no mustard in the White House, and grilled cheese every Friday for such time as I have a physical body. (laughs) Number five, net neutrality is done. Get ready for the least neutral net ever. I will be fishing the internet with dynamite. Other than that, you can expect your lives to stay the same. The rich will get richer, and I specifically will get much richer. The poor will get poorer. Whatever trajectory you're on, that inertia will not change. That's fine. And what could we expect from a strictly fantastical Dwayne Johnson administration? Likely, many telegenic appearances in which he would raise a single eyebrow to great applause. <laughs> he would make many powerful and terrible men feel very physically small. He'd manage the country like his fitness routine and movie career, impeccable, crowd-pleasing. He would be very fun. It would be a very fun time. I can admit this because it simply will not matter. The Rock is teasing a presidential bid. I do not tease. People tell me it's one of my more charming qualities. In short, piano, hackathons, Facebook, order. Vote Zuckerberg.
8: Donald Trump is cooking? (laughs) It's a well-done steak and a racist side salad with Russian dressing. But in this diner called America, only the chef gets two scoops for dessert. With his tiny hands, Donald Trump is shoveling his slop down our throats and all we can do is not gag. America, we need a new chef. One with the power to gather every American around the same table, not algorithmically seat them in different rooms. One who can cook the most delicious meal you've ever tasted and has dimples so deep you could take a bath in them. (laughs) That's right, America. I'm talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. In this new Trumpian era where jokes are basically unfunny arguments and arguments are basically unfunny jokes, Mr. Johnson floated running for president in jest on SNL. What's crazy is this unfunny joke actually could work. Dwayne Johnson is well liked, nay beloved, by all Americans. With his charm and authenticity, he is not only the richest actor in the United States, but he tests well with every demographic. Old people, young people, men, women, the alt-right, Democratic Socialists. He's so charismatic, directors tell him he must smile less in case he breaks their camera. He is, as he has said, the only person that we can agree on. But actually, that might be where he's wrong. Because the other thing we can all agree on Is that Mark Zuckerberg Is a Rudy Poo candy ass (laughs) Aaron Sorkin wrote a whole movie About how unlikable Mark Zuckerberg is Rashida Jones tells him That he shouldn't take out a lawsuit To a jury Because he'll lose His case is correct He would win on case law But a jury of his American peers Won't go for him because they don't like him, she says. <laughs> I believe every word out of her Jones's mouth, scripted or unscripted. So. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg is an elitist, a man who created a website in an ivory tower to decide which chick in his lectures were hotter, and then later pivoted to a website where other elite dudes could connect more easily to drink champagne and eat caviar while polishing their monocles. The Rock is an everyman, a true people's champion, as his fans have called him. He doesn't need some weird robotic state tour to see and understand Americans. He grew up moving all around the country, and he has houses all over, from coast to coast to a farm in Virginia, and actually a primary residence in Florida, but it doesn't have a golf course on it. (laughs) During his SNL announcement, he said he would get the minority vote because everyone thinks he's exactly what they are, and this is totally true. He's played the father of white kids, black kids, and Pacific Islanders. In truth, Mr. Johnson is black on his father's side, and his mother's from America, Samoa, which would make him our first president with Pacific Island heritage. Speaking of Pacific Islanders, did you know that they are 249 overrepresented in our military? 249%. American Samoa specifically is actually one of the few places in America where army recruiters actually beat their enlistment quotes. Maybe that's why the rock loves the troops so much or maybe it's just because he's a true patriot <laughs> His social media is littered with posts to support the troops and pictures of the Vetties met Vetsy's met He threw a huge USO style benefit in Pearl Harbor because why is one of the many places that he grew up and he wanted to thank the military members for their service Mark Zuckerberg also has an association with Hawaii, too, by the way. He lives there and he sued Native Hawaiians to force them off their land so he could expand his estate. He withdrew the lawsuits after a sharp backlash, but then pissed everyone off again by building a six foot wall, six foot tall wall around his border. It might remind you of the Trump wall. But to me personally, I think it's more like how he operates every time there's another scandal about how he's invading our privacy. He apologizes, claims he understands, and then just goes right on eroding our civil liberties and not paying the billions of taxes that his company owes America. Facebook's facial recognition is something like 15% more accurate than the FBI's. Imagine if the government had that data. (laughs) With all the secrecy and power within the NSA and the data mining of our lives, wouldn't it be better to have a man like The Rock? A man who's actually a known classified information leaker? This is true. To this day, he's still protecting his source, but when The Rock found out that Bin Laden was dead, he was so (laughs) overcome with excitement, he tweeted, just got word that will shock the world. Land of the free, home of the brave, damn proud to be an American. A full hour before Barack Obama <laughs> swaggered down that red carpet. Dwayne Ron Johnson is so loved and such a patriot. Our intelligence agencies are telling him things just because they like him and thought it would make him happy. Everyone smells what The Rock is cooking. It's freedom. Oh yeah! And ladies and gentlemen, dinner is served.
0: There's some spirited opening arguments from both Nora and actually Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask y'all some questions. You're gonna have to answer them in real time. You've not been provided with these questions in advance. My first question is going to be for Nora and is in fact not really a question, but just a statement. Uh, you said in your opening arguments that uh, these days jokes are just unfunny arguments. Why do you feel the need to personally attack me?
8: <laughs> I was more saying that the rock joke was unfunny, and that's kind of true. Not this.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I have another actionable question for you. So, uh, when people get into politics like The Rock is teasing, people dig into your past, they, they find things you said, uh, and they grill you, they, they'll grill you, they'll grill you hard. How would The Rock respond if he was uh, slammed by an association of concerned citizens afflicted with like nose disease, unable to smell what anyone's cooking, and are offended by The Rock's constant questioning on the subject?
8: question, <laughs> I think that he would handle it with poise um, and would immediately back down from offending a huge population. He's loved by everybody, even those who can't smell. So I think he would, <laughs> he would, he would uh, it
0: Mark Zuckerberg. As Nora suggested, you were the subject of a rare critical and commercial hit, just a a smash hit, Oscar-winning movie, made literally only about how much of a viciously unpleasant person, bad friend, and intellectual thief you are. What's your plan to
2: overcome that? Zero, nothing, I'm not not gonna do anything to overcome that. No, this is my legacy. This is who I am, America. I am already incepting ideas of myself. Black church, black church, black church, black church. It's breaking its way into Moscow, Idaho. It's making its way into Cuba, New York. It doesn't matter what you do here in Chicago. Um, so I, it's fine, it's fine.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that'll do. Nora. Nora. So we're already seeing these days a lot of wrestling tropes are coming up in politics. Uh, Trump famously appeared at WrestleMania, uh, and just this month, Montana Congressman Greg Gianforte uh, chokeslammed a reporter, I assume for looking too liberal. What I'm saying is it's been done. It's getting old. How is The Rock gonna make his wrestling experience stand out in a saturated market?
8: Well, Tom, I think you should know your role and shut your mouth. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a rock catchphrase. I Googled a lot of them. He has many.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: gonna tell you my mic work is not not up to snow. I cannot come back to that. The rock is supreme. <laughs> Zuck with two C's. <laughs> with your invention, Facebook, uh, you cursed the internet uh, and it became uh, an abyss of pain that addicts every mind it touches and destroys it. How was that experience informed your current platform and campaign?
2: Thank you for asking, Tom. Well, in my trips through the Midwest, I've actually become coming right up face to face with the opioid crisis currently happening in Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, every place where you can get crushable uh, anesthetics. Those are getting crushed up, snorted, injected, and it's causing a resurgence of HIV in Indiana as well. It's a real problem that we have, addiction, and who better to address addiction than a drug dealer, I ask you. That's me, the drug of Facebook. It doesn't matter if you laugh at my jokes. (laughs) I will, (laughs) sorry, something in my throat. I will be victorious, so go ahead and be stony and silent, opioids. Zuckerberg.
0: <laughs> Zuck is poised, as always. Nora. The Rock, we all know, he has a ton of natural charisma. But if you look at, you look at politics in 2017, the only way to get anywhere is to be a huge-asshole monster. You look at who's in power right now, the pe- it's clear... The people want hateful, unpleasant dicks. How is The Rock going to be able to overcome the handicap of his charisma?
8: Well, Tom, I disagree with your premise. I actually think that despite the fact that tons of Americans seem to be super into hatred, that that is alarming, what is so great about The Rock is that his charm overrides any kind of nationalist sentiment that, the, that Trump wrote and Trump himself is actually a very charismatic guy apparently <laughs> I've heard so uh, I think that because Dwayne Johnson's charm is so unbelievably apparent he would be able to really override that himself
0: Yo my dude Zuck You own basically every piece of information about every human in the world. Um, Your platform, Facebook, can be used easily to hack people's minds and make them believe anything. So I guess my question is, um, how much human blood do you need to live?
2: I have been blood-free since approximately 2011. I'm running currently on a coolant fuel, which is red. So if you prick me, I appear to bleed. But in fact, I have been blood-free for quite some time. If you mean a metaphor, I'm not in a very metaphorical mood. But certainly, many lives will be lost. That was not a joke.
0: Okay, so I have one more question I want you both to answer before we go into closing statements. And here it is. No president is an island. No one does it alone. Hit me with some cabinet members.
2: Edward Severin, build a bridge. Keep your enemies close and your best friends who you alienated and paid a lot of money real, real close. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos my wife, our daughter, Ivanka Trump. She seems to test well. There you go.
8: Uh, Well, The Rock has already announced that Tom Hanks would be his VP because he's as likable. So going with the likable theme, the guy from Papa John's, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, if that's still a thing in 2020. <laughs> that brought, Wonder Woman broad's having a moment right now. Maybe that'll only go up. That's what we're sticking with.
0: <laughs> you know, is some delightful question answering from both of you. But before the audience can decide who wins, you need to make your closing statements. You need to. Nora, why don't, you, why don't you kick us off with them closings?
8: Okay. Thank you, Tom. Allow me to lay the smack down, America. Ask yourselves, who of these two have given you more joy? Better yet, who has caused you more pain? Dwayne Johnson never, has never stolen countless hours from you. Dwayne Johnson has never invaded your privacy. Dwayne Johnson has never caused anyone to drunkenly cry on their phone during the night, unless they were watching Moana on their phone, in which case, good, cry your heart out because that was touching. The shit sandwich Mark Zuckerberg cooked up has a pain, painful real-world consequences. In 2009, 20% of divorce petitions in the United Kingdom referenced Facebook. Some psychologists say members of Facebook experience more envy and more stress and greater odds of depression, and those are just the emotions that Facebook didn't intend us to have. (laughs) It's been revealed that Mark Zuckerberg's company ran an emotional manipulation experiment in 2012 to test how emotions spread through the network via the newsfeed. This is to say nothing of the crippling effects that Facebook had on this election, the damage of which we'll be studying for decades to come. There's photographic evidence of Dwayne Johnson saving a puppy from drowning. Would Mark Zuckerberg do that? No. 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 He would Facebook Live it and insist that the recording of the dead puppy shouldn't be taken down on First Amendment grounds, no matter how many law enforcement agencies plead and say that Facebook Live videos are directly contributing to the violence in this country and specifically, actually, this city. During his half-fake announcement on SNL, and a bad joke, Tom, it, it was his, his bad joke, <laughs> Mr. Johnson said he wants a leader with more poise and less noise. All Mark Zuckerberg knows how to do is traffic and profit from noise. So again, I implore you, smell what The Rock is cooking. For yourselves, and for the country. Thank you.
2: Imagine. (laughs) If you will. A tale as old as time. The bimbo versus the nerd. Beauty versus the beast. I am the beast. (laughs) The Rock makes his japes and his jests and his insinuations on late night television. It's exciting and makes excellent copy for newspapers. Meanwhile, I am already placing earworms in districts from Omaha to Missoula, from St. Petersburg, Forla, Florida to Moscow, Idaho, from Cupertino to Cooperstown. It is already too late, America. Your fate is sealed. But there are many beautiful experiences to come. For instance, your new job as digital hostess at an online Facebook brothel. Nanites who will perform all your household tasks Household tasks Household tasks here in Meat Space, And soylent food products delivered daily The wretched taste of which will be masked By virtual reality technology installed in your taste buds A science fiction future awaits you Under techno-autocratic thumb of a childlike emperor That's me I am not the fun candidate, or even the best candidate. Compared to The Rock, I am nasty, brutish, and short. But in this crazy, uncertain world, who do you really want representing you? Beauty, or, Good Goodnight, and God bless America!
0: Well, so you heard of the debate. It's time to make a decision, but I can't. I can't judge the applause. I'm biased. I'm not going to tell you which way. It's Nora because she said that my jokes weren't bad. Woo! So, are we going to need an impartial judge from the audience? Would you like to be an impartial judge? Can I even vote? No. <laughs> That's what impartial means. You do, You got to decide who gets the louder applause. If you believe that the winner of this debate and our next president is Mark Zuckerberg, please applaud now. If you believe that the winner of this debate was Nora Regis arguing for The Rock, please applaud now. Judge, who was the winner? The Rock wins. That was The Rock. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Congratulations, Nora Regis, you win a skewer. Ah, <clears throat> uh, thank you both for a fantastic debate. Yeah, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg's got to go find Erica so that she can uh, help me close the show because yo, that's yeah what. You missed your whole debate! Oh, wow. No, Mark Zuckerberg did it, but he lost. But Nora was really good, so you shouldn't feel too bad. Oh, gosh, okay. Was he funny? Did people laugh? Uh, no, he was very, very uh, combative, uh, cruel. I People hated him.
1: Oh, that's him. That's,
0: that's his style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know why you chose him to be your son. Su- whatever. That's been the skewer. Thank you for being here. It was a good show. If you like the skewers, a couple things you can do. One, there's a donation bucket at the door. All that money goes to our writers. So if you're like, the writers were good, you can pay them. We're also recording this as a podcast. You can find it on podcast places like iTunes. You know where podcasts are, they're on the internet. Uh, and also, we got books with a whole shit ton of good writing from a bunch of people who are even here tonight. Uh, or you could just, you know, just chill out and have a good time and not do any of that. It's your choice. It's America, it's free for now.
2: Eric, you got else? Uh, next month, I'm going to be hosting the first Wednesday at 8 p.m. here at Cafe Mustache. So you know it's going to be late! Uh, thank you, everybody. Sign up for our dope-as-hell email list where I send cool, funny pictures every month. Yeah, so thank you. Goodbye! Wonderful! Thank you! Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can also give us a review on iTunes. That'd be super cool. We'd like that. Uh, if you want more info or to get on the show, uh, email us at skewerchicago at com uh, or like us on Facebook and send us a message. You know, we're looking for new people always. Just get in touch, yo. Uh, And also, if you want to come to a show, we're always at Cafe Mustache the first Wednesday of every month. Yo, it's always fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.